0: hello everyone and welcome to another episode of lords of limited my name is ben warney and joining me on the line is ethan sacks Ethan, as it turns out, cowards, unfortunately, cannot block Warriors. Yeah, this is going to be our last episode, as per our agreement
1: with uh, <laughs> limited resources. We have to, have to shut down the show now. Those were the stakes. Uh, no, but in all seriousness, so that we are uh, coming off the team draft of Lords versus resources. So you, me, and Quarter Calls battled against Marshall, Luis, and Andrew Beckstrom on Wednesday, did a little team draft action, and it was close, but no cigar for us. I, I uh, unfortunately got the 0-3 there, which is kind of crazy that I 3 and we almost won still.
0: Yeah, it was a blast. I mean, I 2-1, Alex 2-1, uh, LSV went 2-1, Marshall went 2-1, and BK went 1-2. It was really close. Came down to game three uh, with Alex versus Marshall. Yeah, it was really, really close. I had an absolute blast. I'm not sure about you, but I am jonesing to do more team drafts ASAP, and it sounds like Um, from the reaction that we had and and where limited resources at, that we can hope maybe to do this once a set. And I would certainly be looking forward to a grudge match as soon as LSV and company are ready to go.
1: I think that was a reaction across the board. I think Channel Fireball is interested in organizing this uh, every set, which is really, really cool. And it's also was sweet. Like we had a, what, maybe 5k viewers across all of our streams on Wednesday night for a limited event for no stakes. And Watsi <laughs> thinks no one wants to watch draft, you know, I think we proved that to be incorrect. So I think people were jonesing for this kind of content. And I'm excited to be doing that more down the road. Yeah. Any takeaways from the team draft? Anything
0: you felt like you learned as far as strategy or things like that?
1: Honestly, not really. I mean, I I, I think I learned a little bit. I think LSV tried to, to hook and cut me a little bit into blue and I, I was happy that I avoided that, you know, got a ruined crab and then didn't see much else. My draft was really tough and I think, you know, my matches were really close. My draws didn't line up super well. And I so I like I took a breather and then the next day went back and like looked at my draft log and I wasn't sure there was anything different I could have done. It was just, you know, someone's got to end up with a clunky deck sometimes, I think.
0: Sure, yeah. I feel pretty good about how I drafted. I made a lot of small play mistakes. Nothing I don't think that cost me a game or a match because I I tend to focus, especially in high stakes match like that, I I tend to focus on big picture stuff. And I think that is my strength as a magic player. But I made made a lot of small things that I need to clean up right off the bat. I attacked uh the the red green uncommon into LSV's empty mana and then uh he played the blue black flash uncommon and I was like oh no it's gonna get eaten and then it couldn't get blocked right because it Mm -hmm. can't be blocked by creatures with power two or greater. So that got me flustered right off the bat. I had to play LSV off the get go. So (laughs) that was intimidating. Yeah. Um but yeah happy with how I drafted I cut some cards from Marshall and correctly placed him on black, white clerics. And I, I think I correctly called the PK was in blue, green and cut and a Shia from him uh, that I opened in pack two and then moved into green underneath him to make his deck a little worse. So I think I did did the team draft thing um, and it was it was a blast.
1: Yeah, agreed. And the best moment for me was I get to get LSV with the reach on Mrs. Zendicon. Oh, yeah, that that was great. I saw the, uh, the channel Fireball tweet from his perspective
0: and from your perspective.
1: Yeah, yeah. So super, super fun event. Thanks for everyone who came and hung out and watched, and we will be doing more of those in the future.
0: Yeah, and if you're interested in checking out the action and you missed it, it should be available in the videos on demand from all of our respective Twitch channels.
1: Yeah, you can check out Channel Fireball tweeted all of those VODs uh, in one tweet. So if you follow them on Twitter, um, you can go and find all of those streams there as well. All right. So today, Ben, we're going to be crashing the party a little bit and talking about a lot of these sort of intersectional cards or glue cards in the format and how we're navigating our way into these party decks that I think exist across you know, not even just red, black and blue, white, but a lot of other color pairs as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is one of the biggest level ups you can have in the format is understanding these off ramps and how they work and how to maximize them.
1: Yeah, so we've got a lot of discussion points there, and then we'll take a look at some draft logs, maybe how we're we're finding our ways into those decks in a real draft. But before we get into that, just a few pieces of housekeeping. First things first is the Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where you can go to give back to the show if you so choose. Of course, the show is always going to be free, but we've got some perks along the way there at the Patreon page so you can check out, access to our show notes ahead of the show, access to our spreadsheets, where we've got all of our deck picks and draft logs and notes on the decks, etc. cetera. Um, and of course, everyone who gives back gets access to the Discord, which is just a fantastic community of like-minded, limited fanatics uh, giving feedback to each other, and it's just a really, really great place for everybody to learn. And of course, we're going to shout out each and every week, and of course, each and every week, we're going to shout out our new patrons. So this week, we are welcoming Dominic, Sergio, Joshua, George, Atapong, Rich, Jesse, Trey, Klaus, Roy, Henry, Jangle, Pierre, and Lucas, thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support.
0: Yeah, cannot say thank you enough. As the weeks continue to go by, I think format is getting broken wide open, and I am thrilled with the discussions that are happening in there. And every time I get a chance to pop in, I feel like I learn a new tidbit of information, whether it's the Cardi Val channel or just looking at a trophy deck or, or what have you.
1: Yeah, I will say, this is maybe a nice little segue to our next section, talking about ChannelFireball.com. Um It was great to have the trophy channel as a resource when doing these archetype breakdown articles, like just getting to go through and and see a large sample size of trophying decks in a specific color pair to be like, okay, what are the things that I'm seeing over and over? What are the things I'm not seeing existing in these decks? That was a great resource to have.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Those were a bear to write. So, if you don't know what Ethan's talking about, uh, the podcast is now sponsored also in part by Channel Fireball. Um, So, if you need any magic supplies, anything like that, head on over to channelfireball.com. And if you've been on the fence about going pro, Ethan, Alex, and I wrote 10 articles, one for each color pair that goes really deep on how to draft. Uh, the archetypes, how to get into the decks, you know what the key cards are, sideboarding, anything you can possibly want is in those articles. Um, and all 10 of those are now finished and up on CFB Pro. Um, and if you're not interested in Pro, we have our limited testing meeting videos that are available to everyone on YouTube to watch. Ethan, Alex, and I sat down and had a chat about each color, the commons, uncommons rank them all, what decks they were best in, that sort of thing. Um, and as well, there's there's a lot of sweet stuff brewing over at Channel Fireball. Magic TV is getting a reboot, and you're going to be featured on their episode on Wednesday, October 7th at 6 Eastern Time.
1: Yeah, I'm super pumped. I had seen Gabby tweet about the reboot of Magic TV, and I was like, oh God, I kind of want to reach out immediately and be like, this is so cool. I'm glad it's coming back. This was like, I don't know about you, but that was like one of the things I used to look forward to every week. Like Thursday morning, I'd check ChannelFireball.com to see the top eight video uploaded i thought the top eight sections were always so fun um and so i saw the reboot and then she asked me to uh, come on the show and i'm super excited to get to do that so really looking forward to it hashtag cool kid
0: i know right yeah that should be sweet so yeah thank you very much to channel fireball as well they're opening up a new pokemon section on the website did you ever play any pokemon ethan
1: no nah, I'm, I'm a magic gamer through and through ben
0: I have my my Gen One Pokemon cards somewhere still in a binder, so may, may have to dig those up. Probably. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if I, w- I wonder if U Box We Buy applies to Pokemon cards. <laughs> oh, if they do, I could make some dollar bills. There you go. Yeah, that is still running U Box We Buy. So if you've got any Pokemon cards laying around, we'll have to check out and see. Maybe you can box those up and see if CFB is interested in giving you some sweet dollar bills for those Pokemon cards. Yeah, I'm uh, not sure if that's actually <laughs> running through the U Box We Buy program, but may- maybe
1: eventually it will be. All right, so. So let's dive in here to these these glue cards. I feel like we sort of started figuring this out, and by we, I kind of just mean you, with Forbidden Friendship and Ikoria. That feels like the poster child for this kind of card. Yeah, I think
0: absolutely. It's a card that looks low in power level, and if you just grade it, you know, on the grading scale or put it on the quadrant theory test, it usually fails those tests. Not always, not necessarily, but can fail that, but yet still be a good card, because of how many different archetypes it fits into and how well it helps those archetypes function
1: yeah so i would say that a glue card is sort of defined as a card that will shine in multiple archetypes and perhaps even go as far as to say we'll be good in all four color pairs like if i think back to forbidden friendship that was one of the things i was like look i'm going to be thrilled to play this in any sort of like red black deck obviously red white when i don't get the cycling deck if i have to off ramp and obviously like red green mutate or red blue that cares about spells and also is going to have mutate stuff Like I think a card that is a glue card or this intersectional card is something that's going to go into all four color pairs. And it may not be at its strongest in each of those, but it's a card you'll be happy to play in each of those.
0: Right, you weren't thrilled with Forbidden Friendship in red-green, but you probably would play it if you needed mutate enablers. Right, exactly. And I think removal spells generally fall into this category, which is why removal is a high pick, right? It's at a premium, other people are going to be contesting it, you need it to be able to interact with your opponent. But one thing removal doesn't do that a lot of glue cards typically do is make the other cards in your deck better. I think that's something that's an attribute of glue cards as well.
1: That's a great point, yeah, that that these glue cards, if we're thinking of Forbidden Friendship or Whisper Squad from akoria these are cards that are going to make other cards Better, Right. They often will have not only inherent synergies within their own color, but then as we're talking about, like it's going to slot in nicely to all of the the colors for color pair decks. Um, so you think about them as glue or cards that invest in your drafts future, right? These cards that are going to keep you open and then make future picks even better because of how they synergize.
0: Right. So in Zendikar Rising, glue cards are going to be cards that have intersections across multiple pockets of synergy. So they're going to be tribal cards generally that are good in their tribal deck as well as good in off tribal decks. So for example, something like Arden Electromancer that's playable in Blue Red Wizards, but actually is at its best when you're not a Wizards deck so that it's always generating at least two red mana when you play it. Right. So
1: obviously very, very good in Red Black Party, but I've often like if I'm a mostly Warriors deck, Arden Electromancer is going to shine in a red white deck as like your one of Wizard because it's probably going to like make your Tag Bug Catcher better, but then also hopefully leads you to some explosive turns where you can go Bug Catcher on two, and then Electromancer on three, and then either Royal Eruption something or whatever, be able to use that two red mana, so you're really getting that bonus.
0: Another great example, this is a card you're really fond of, is Acquisitions Expert, the one in a black 1-2 that when ETBs. You get to reveal cards. Your opponent reveals cards in their hand equal to the number of party members that you've got, and you get to look at those cards and discard one of those cards.
1: Yeah, I love that card. Just the floor of 1-2 Burglar Rats has been just fine, but it, it's often so much better because, you know, in blue black, I'm happy to run it because it's a rogue, but then I'm also thrilled because it's great in red black party but then i'm also fine with it if i end up in some sort of weird blue black party deck or you know if i'm in black white clerics this is great because it's probably always going to nab two cards like i'm going to have my choice of one of two cards and once you have a choice of one of two in the mid game like you're getting an actual spell from your opponent.
0: Right. And I think the most important thing about these glue cards is that they're going to let you toe the line between a true tribal deck and a party deck. So you can aggressively go after whatever, blue red wizards, or you can aggressively go after white black clerics. And then if it's not open, you know the old thing where you don't want to pick a gold card first because you can get cut out of the deck. Like let's let's say you start your draft with Umara Wizard, the mm-hmm. the red blue gold card. I think that's more fine in this format than it has been in formats past because you can draft blue red wizards or you can just draft blue red party if wizards specifically isn't open.
1: I also I, I want to just take a second to talk about that and how we're approaching the format this week because you know I think off the heels of our discussion last week I've you know started this phrase that we used a lot last week of like giving myself permission um, to you know maybe pass MDFCs a little bit more but also I've given myself permission to try and carve out lanes when I have like those those gold uncommons or maybe a good gold rare or whatever or or even sometimes the the relics these these cards that really want you to be in that dedicated tribal deck i've been really okay with like taking those cards early and not worrying that much about missing out on potentially my first like three or four picks of the draft if then something else presents itself to be open you know if you get past that soaring thought thief pick five then i'm fine to abandon a bunch of red white stuff for the off chance that no one else at the table wants
0: to be rogues and i get to reap those rewards Right. Absolutely. I, here's one thing that I have really solidified in my mind this week that is different for me for this format than it has been in past formats. I find myself wanting to take my first picks to where all of the cards I pick are going to be playable in my deck rather than like fishing around with multiple archetypes early. So for example, if I start with, I don't know, Umara Wizard, and I have a choice between Tag Bug Catcher and something like Deadly Alliance. I'm much more likely to take the Grotag Bug Catcher than the Deadly Alliance, even though I think in a vacuum, Grotag Bug Catcher is a a slightly weaker card than Deadly Alliance. How do you feel about that?
1: I feel really good about that. Yeah, the other day I third picked the like one in a white 2-2 with Vigilance that gets lifelink if you have another cleric, like which I think is not a great card. Like that's a card you're sort of I think even hoping to wheel if clerics is open for you. But I just really wanted to carve out clerics for my lane because I think I first picked Aura, the white black rare. But that's something that I would not have thought I would be doing in this format. But those tribal decks are so good. And I think it's so important if you're drafting that deck to make it clear to everybody else at the table that that deck is not open.
0: Well, and I think it also feels better than normal because if you, you know, it starts to dry up or whatever, you can just audible into a cleric deck with a party sub theme. And maybe you don't get the nuts cleric deck, but you gave yourself the chance to get the nuts cleric deck, And you still end up with a very functional deck regardless.
1: Right, I agree. Yeah. And I think it's really important while you're drafting to check in basically at every single pick about what you think the deck is doing in terms of is it more tribal or is it more party because that will change the kinds of picks you make. Uh, along the way. And I think you just want to make sure that you're adjusting for, hey, it's looking like the deck is going in this direction instead of the other direction.
0: Right. And there comes a point in time where you have to decide. And once you've committed, you got to stick with it. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So with that discussion out of the way, I think we're going to take a look at what are some of the common glue cards just in general. So if we kick things off with colorless, one of the best cards in the format, if you are trying to backdoor into these party decks after starting down a tribal route is Stonework Pack Beast. This card keeps going up and up and up for me still every week. Yeah,
1: it's very, very good. Um, I think we'll have the same conversation about it every time. You know, X ones I do think have some sort of liability in this format, but Stonework Pack Beast, I think, just overperforms that. So it has, as you'll see here... It, it, These cards are good cards because they're going to have intersections with a lot of different archetypes. So Stonework Pack Beast obviously excels in a party deck because it's whatever, you know, extra type that you don't have. It's also good in tribal decks. Like I play Pack Beast in my Blue Red Wizards deck because so many of my cards, you know, I want to trigger my... 2-2 flyer that lets me loot or my rock slide sorcerer to get an extra ping or whatever, you know, having that on the battlefield as a party type is also sometimes relevant. So I, I think don't overlook it in dedicated tribal decks as well.
0: Right. Well, I think the other thing it does that, yeah, in dedicated tribal decks, it makes it so that you can have a party sub theme without even having to work for your party sub theme, right? Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden in your Wizards deck, if you you can curve Stonework Pack Beast into Arden Electromancer into another red 2-drop without having to have the Bug Catchers. Or if you do have the Bug Catchers, then your Stonework Pack Beast is even better because it's making your Bug Catcher attack as a 4-2. The fact that it triggers all your Tribal Matter stuff, like it'll trigger your Relic Amulet while mm-hmm. also still being something that counts for party for some of your other cards. It just does so many different things, and it does a little bit of each well enough that it ends up being a card I actively want, I think, in most of my tribal or party decks. Right. You think about like
1: clerics with Malakir Blood Priest, where Blood Priest is probably at its worst in clerics because you're really only getting that one drain, but you still care about the life gain. But then all of a sudden, with your Pack Beast in play, now it's draining for two. And that's awesome. Right. So the other colorless card at common, and we're only looking at commons with all of these, is uh, Skyclave Sentinel. And this is you know significantly less good than Pack Beast. But I still think it's worth pointing out that it does have intersections of Plus and plus one counters matter and kicker matters. And I think, you know, in decks that aren't dedicated aggro decks, like when you don't want to run a three mana, two, three defender, I think this is a a pretty good card to have.
0: So I'm hoping generally to not play Skyclave Sentinel in the format. How do you feel about that? Do you think that's underrating it?
1: I feel like that mentality about most cards doesn't work for me. I think it's less about like, I'm hoping to never run this card. And it's more about when do I want to run this card? And I think in basically any green deck that, Doesn't beat down, which is a lot of greens decks like green decks that have reclaimed the wastes, which is going to be one of these glue cards. I think Sentinel shines there because you're like hitting your land drops a lot. And you want you're probably not an aggressive deck, and so a three mana two three with flying that can block on three is great, and then still be a late game win, con, Yeah, yeah and or, or it's like and it's cheaper with Vine Gecko. So you're like, and most of those green decks are going to have either plus one plus one counter matters stuff or kicker matters stuff.
0: Yeah, probably better than I'm. I painted it a picture of it as I guess more you're not taking it highly, right? Like you should you should be expecting to get the card fairly late. Yes, whereas Pack Beast is a card that I'm you know I'm really happy to like
1: fourth pick it sometimes depending on where my draft is going. I've first picked it out of you know pack two pick ones type deals just because like it keeps you open and it's flexible and it's gonna make your deck like 100 percent of the time.
0: Sure. Next up we've got a white first one here is Shepherd of Heroes. This is the four and a white three four flyer that when it ETBs you gain two for each party member you've got this is a really good glue card just in white decks in general it's playable. If you're partying, you know specifically if your blue white party is going to shine gains you life in your clerics deck. You know, Warriors, it's going to gain four and potentially swing a race for you. It's just a really solid card. So I don't have Core Celebrant on this list, but I think it probably should be just because of how powerful it is. What do you think about that? I agree completely. I think any white deck is playing Core Celebrant, maybe with the exception of Red White Warriors that's very aggressive and very beat down.
1: Yeah, I think save for red white warriors, but you're happy with it in red white party. You're certainly happy with it in blue white. I think in white green, it's just good because white green is like just mid range, but also you should rarely be drafting white green. I think, uh, and then obviously in white black, it's great. The other card I have here on this list, I'm interested to talk about this with you, is Kabira Outrider. So this is the four mana three three when it ETB, target creature gets plus X plus X uh, equal to your party count. Um, until end of turn, I like this card in aggressive party decks. I've I've backdoored into a number of you know, black white seems to be slightly underrated. It looks like to me in uh, the best of one queues these days. So I'm ending up in either clerics or white black party a lot. And in white black party, which is I think a pretty aggressive deck, and certainly red white party as well, I think Kabir Outrider is a, a really good four drop,
0: and similar to Skyclave Sentinel in that you're not picking it highly, but that you're picking it up late, and sometimes it's a nice filler piece in your deck. Correct. Yeah,
1: and it's definitely the sign of like uh, I don't know if my draft is going great, but I am fine to like pick this pick seven or whatever because I think I can. You know, this is it's not a reason to go into that, but then it gives my deck some direction. I'm like, well. I can make Kabira Outrider a good card if I start to slant my red white or black white deck a little more aggressively.
0: And are you happy if this is giving plus two plus two? Like, is that enough for you to want to include Kabira Outrider? Or are you heading into the plus three plus three territory?
1: Yeah, plus two plus two is almost certainly going to enable an attack or force your opponent to make an awkward block or something that you wouldn't have gotten
0: otherwise. And only an aggressively slanted party. deck.
1: Correct. If, If there's any chance that I don't think I'm
0: curving out I'm not happy to play Outrider. Right. I have yet to cast a Kabir Outrider, so maybe I am underrating it.
1: Maybe your drafts are going a little bit better and you're not having to backdoor into those kinds of decks
0: as much. I just haven't played White that much, to be honest. I, I have firmly settled into I really want to draft Grixis if I can. Yes, I totally agree. When I was writing my,
1: I said this to Alex yesterday when I submitted the Selesnia breakdown for Channel Fireball, but I was like, it's weird writing an archetype breakdown for a deck you don't think people should draft very often. Right. And I think, you
0: know, speaking of wanting to draft Grixis, the color orders have shifted for me quite a bit since we did our first check-in. So I think blue's number one, red's number two, black's number three, green's four, and white's bringing up the rear is five. Is that where you're at? That is exactly where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. And I think red is the, the biggest mover jumping up to the number two slot. It just does enough as far as like removal. It's got good creatures and black's got great removal, but its creatures are so mediocre at common. Yeah, I think I think that's true. I mean, this might be a great spot
1: to to jump and talk about red and I think one of the reasons that it's so good is that all of the colors I think get two, maybe white gets three glue cards here, but red gets three
0: and they're three really good ones, I think. Right. Compared to the others, like white, you're really only happy with Shepherd. Right. You know, blue, uh, blue's got a couple of good ones, but yeah, red is very deep and I think it's the most flexible color outside of blue.
1: Right. So so we'll start with, I think, talking about Grotag Bug Catcher as just like so many of my red decks always want this. I think save for like red green, which... You know, if you're red green aggro, which is where bug catcher is gonna shine, you really aren't partying very much. Like spoiler alert, green doesn't party at all, really, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, and so bugcatcher's not great there, but otherwise it's just so good in red, white, in red, blue, and and especially in red black.
0: Yeah, it's absurd in red, black, but it's it's easy to make it a three-two in red, white, and red blue, and I think very potential for it to be a four-two. If you do any sort of, you know, I want to party in the non-party color pairs. Yeah, for sure. I think Arden Electromancer is also great in that same respect. Goes great in red, blue, red, black, red, white. Maybe you can find a home for it in red, green. You know, there there are some party tribal things that you can do in red, green. My, my deck for the team draft actually sort of had a little bit of a party sub theme I played a one of Electromancer that was pretty outstanding for me when you get to double spell with Electromancer if you haven't done it yet I highly recommend it you will you will understand the explosive potential of this card yeah it feels like you're cheating so it's playable in Wizards but honestly you're actually hoping to not have that many of these in your Wizards deck, I think that's where it's worse. And then it's really good in red, white and red,
1: black. Right. And then I think Fisher Wizard, again, is just a rock solid two drop. A lot of decks want that sort of like rummage effect. Uh, it gets a party started nicely, especially in red, white or or red, black, where you don't have a lot of Wizards. Um, and and I think even in Wizards, it being a, a good two drop, there's not a lot of good twos in that archetype. And, uh, and I think it's pretty serviceable and, and then it has applications late game as well. Yeah, for sure. Next up, we're looking at blue here. And I think there's a pretty big gap between these two cards. So Tazim Royal Mage is solidly as the third blue common for me behind Into the Royal and Bubble Snare. And it, again, it just does all these intersection things, right? It's got wizards and party applications. It's really it should just go in any blue deck because it's a powerful card on turn six to rebuy whatever some removal spell. And then it also has kicker synergy. So it has three overlaps there. Right. And it's just an outstanding
0: card. The card is great. Next up is Cunning Geyser Mage, the two and a blue 3-2 with kicker of two and a blue and whenever you kick it when it etbs you can return a creature to its owner's hand again got the same overlaps wizards kicker party but it just does all of it a little bit worse than tazim royal mage and is not as much of a rawly good card as tazim royal mage Is you really want to be a tempo deck or you want to have some reason to expect the bounce to be good and to expect to reliably get to six mana
1: right yeah like you know in your best blue black rogues decks you're not running cunning geyser mage whereas i think you might still run tazim
0: royal mage I agree, unless you you have blue black with a party sub theme, in which case you know you start to get a little more excited about cunning geyser mage.
1: Right, and I think it's it's on you in, in terms of you know in draft and in deck building as well to be like okay, so w- how far do I want to stretch this? Right, do I want to play a drana silencer? Do I want to play a malakir blood priest here? And how many types do I need to make those cards better, et cetera?
0: Mm-hmm. Moving on to black, first one we're going to take a look at is malakir blood priest. This is one in a black for the two one and when it ETBs it drains equal to the number of party members you've got so worst case scenario it drains for one when it etbs um and if you got any types other than cleric you're draining for multiple points this is i think black's best creature at common Do you agree with that i agree yeah yeah and i think the only uh, like the only really one i'm actively looking to play i think out of the common creatures and just does a lot it In your cleric's deck, it's going to gain you life, you know, be a cleric for you, trigger those things. And party decks, you know, sometimes it's draining two, three, four, and then late in the game, you can rebuy it with blood beckoning and just get, you know, three or four point triggers much easier when you've got your party developed later in the game.
1: Yeah. The other one here is ghastly gloom hunter. This one, this one put in work in Marshall's deck in the team draft. This has great intersections with life gain matters, kicker matters, and plus one, plus one counter matters. And it's also just a good threat. And and speaking of blood beckoning, it's a good card, like you can play it on turn two, get in some points of damage, it dies, and then you get to rebuy it. And then you get to play it late in the game as a three, three,
0: right? And doesn't matter how much mana you're spending late in the game, a three, three flying lifelinker is a must answer threat.
1: Yeah, which is kind of wild that you get that. Kind of effect at
0: common. Yep. Moving on to green. Uh, first up, these are the, the top two commons here, I think, for us. I, I think I am firmly in the Reclaim the Waste camp as the second best green common. But we're going to talk about Gnarled Colony first. This is the top green common, one and a green for a 2 2, and it's got kicker of two and a green, so three GG total. And if you kick it at ETBs with two plus one plus one counters, so it's a 4-4, has kicker synergy, and has plus one plus one counter synergy. So overlaps with a lot of stuff there and just is a generically powerful card, right? That modality of being able to play it as a 2-2 or a 4-4, not even... Counting all of the potential synergies there is really strong.
1: Right. You know, I hadn't had this on the list and you put this on, and I think you play it in all green decks, right? It's best in blue, green, and green, black, where you're gonna care about kicker and the counters. But even in green red, you know, even if you're a beatdown deck, you want this. If you're a mid-range MDFC deck, you want this. And in green-white, it's specifically good because it turns on your prowling felidars, right? You know, those those are now vigilance tramplers, and that's pretty big game.
0: Yeah, I don't think you're ever cutting an Arlid colony.
1: Uh similarly, I think Reclaim the Waste is perhaps one of the most underrated commons in the set right now. Um, This has synergy with a lot of stuff Green wants to do with splashing, with kicker, with landfall. And I think it's just super, super flexible. You know, it, it really is kind of like an MDFC if you think about it, like whereas the one side is a land, basically, because it's a, t- a tapped land. You tap your forest to go find a land. And then the other side is this, you know, four mana spell that lets you go search up two lands. And so it's that flexibility is also quite powerful. Right. Absolutely. So that's going to move us on to talking about the backdoor party decks. And it really is just the six color pairs that aren't green unfortunately like i just don't think green gets to party in this format right so so the the main two decks are red black party and blue
0: white but you can do sub theme stuff in all of the other four color pairs right and that's where the power starts to come in so you can go after these tribal decks you know say you're going after white black clerics and you start to get cut out of white black clerics you're like white black clerics isn't going to happen it's not open You can you got two options then, really. I mean, two good options and other things too, depending on what gets passed you in the draft. But the main things I'd be considering if I'm getting cut out of white-black clerics is do I have the ability to transition into a white-black party deck? And if not, am I deep enough into white that I can pivot into a blue-white party deck? Yeah, for sure. So
1: thinking about blue-red wizards, black-white clerics, blue-black rogues, red-white warriors, all having these you know secondary decks or obviously obviously the tribal things are what you want to do first but they all have these secondary decks or these sub themes maybe you've got a red white warriors deck you've even got the red white uncommon that pumps up the warriors to for plus 1 plus 1 but then you're you really aren't getting there on warriors and that's fine generally i think with that archetype like then maybe you're not playing expedition champion that much the two three that cares about other warriors to get it plus two plus zero, but you've got some other party stuff going on and you can still be an aggro deck it's just not warrior focused
0: right maybe you picked up a random thundering spark mage which is the the three and a red two two that when it atbs it deals damage equal to the number of party members to a creature or a planeswalker mm-hmm. that's great to slot into a red white party deck and you know is going to make always dealing two damage Sometimes upwards three, four, depending on how how hard you can slant towards that party sub theme. So I think
1: you know, the glue cards are important to notice. And I think creatures that are great as off tribal party cards are are also important to notice, you know, like talking about thundering spark Mage. that's a fine pickup while you're drafting red, white, you'll play that in your warriors deck as just your only wizard, because it's probably a four mana 2 two that deals two is just good. And then maybe that gives you the off ramp as well to start thinking about leaning more into party uh, rather than more into warriors.
0: Yeah, and I think some other cards in this list, we've already talked about acquisitions expert, an Electromancer, Grow Tag Bug Catcher. A Maria Captain is one we haven't mentioned yet. This is three and a white for the 1-1. One, one, and when it ETBs, it gets a plus one, plus one counter for each party member you've got and has flying and vigilance. So it itself is a warrior. So if you've got any non-warrior on the battlefield, this is entering minimum as a 3-3 three, three flying vigilance. So thinking about a Maria Captain as a card that's just actively good in white-black clerics because it's phantom monster with vigilance. Exactly. And I think Seafloor
1: Stalker could could potentially even be on the the glue cards list because it, it probably is good in, maybe it's not good in blue green, but I think all the other three, decks want it um so this is the two and a blue for a two three and it has uh, an activation of four and a blue to give it plus one plus oh and unblockable until end of turn and that activation costs one less to cast for each creature in your party
0: yeah i think you're actively happy with this in blue white i think it is one of the there's like a handful of cards that really make blue white tick in my opinion right you want spoils of adventure that's the blue white gold uncommon that lets you draw three gain three at instant speed you want seafloor stalkers You want practice tactics to be able to have like cheap interaction after you've spent a bunch of mana to draw some cards. So that's the single white deal damage to an attacking or blocking creature equal to the number of party members. You want Seafloor Stalkers to close out the game and then you just want to gum up the ground with as many party creatures as possible. And you just bury your opponent in card advantage and win with some unblockable Seafloor Stalkers. It is very good there. It's great in Blue Red Wizards because a lot of times your tempo aggro... And it's a must answer threat that's going to deal those last, you know, six points of damage to your opponent across one or two turns. And then it's also very good in blue black rogues, right? Because it's a rogue and an unblockable threat. And again, rogues play out as that tempo aggro deck. Exactly. Yeah. So I think the the only spot you really don't like it in is blue green. So one thing we just want to make a quick note of is if you are deciding to party, you know, let's say you went down the red white warriors route, you got cut out of it, and you're going to try to red white party or you're going to try to you were deep in red, you know, you only had a few white cards, you're seeing some black and you want to try to pivot into red black party, we just want to take a second to note what the desirable cards at common for each party type are. And there are going to be ones that aren't listed here, but these are the ones that I am actively going out of my way to try to pick up and include if I know I am party.
1: Yeah, so starting off in white, it's kind of weird. The best warrior here is Cliffhaven Sword. This is the one on white 3-1. But if you are leaning aggressive, either in Warriors or with like red white party or white black party, this card is quite serviceable.
0: Yeah, and I think it blocks well too as a three one, you know, three powered blocker. I have not found X ones to be a liability really, unless my opponent has multiple subtle strikes, in which case you're pretty sad, but I don't think you can not play the good X ones on the back of a single card. I agree. So, Cliffhaven Cell Sword has been, I think, the best of an la three one has ever been.
1: I think I'm down, down for that. You know, a- Alex's favorite two three punch is Cell Sword on two, and then on turn three, you play the the two mana one one that has double strike, and your equipped warriors have double strike, and then you slap a a kite on there and you're cracking it for six in
0: the air yeah that's pretty solid so that's the warrior that you want in white and a lot of these are going to be slanted towards cheaper cards right because the sooner you get your party stuff happening the better yes so clerics then uh core celebrant and shepherd of heroes blue your best wizard is to royal
1: mage in the two drop slot and your best rogue is seafloor stalker in the three drop slot and i think just shout out for for rogues to Zulaport duelist i think this is really good in blue black rogues but also
0: quite good if you're trying to party because it's so cheap right i think you'll play it happily as a one of in most decks moving on to black black there's just not great options clerics outstanding malakir blood priest you actively want that rogues there's not a lot i think nemana skydancer is better than the expedition skulker but black's creatures really are bad yeah i would agree with that are you down with sky dancer over the expedition skulker
1: oh i'm hoping to never that's the three four with menace if your opponent has a no no no, that's skitter sneak Oh, the two drop that gets death touch if you have a rogue yeah i don't care about that card that's basically just a blue black gold card
0: yeah the expedition skulker is not great
1: yeah uh and then looking at red you got a ton of great options here uh wizard arden electromancer and i think even fisher wizard uh warrior Grotag, bug catcher and Rogue Sneaking Guide has been impressive to me, especially in conjunction with the Bug Catcher.
0: Yeah, I think that's where you really want it is in conjunction with the Bug Catcher. But I think if you're limiting yourself to one wizard, and Electromancer is much better than Fissure Wizard if you're looking for wizards.
1: Agreed. Agreed. It really does add, as I keep saying, it's just that that explosive potential on turn three is so huge.
0: Yeah. And green, if you do happen to party, but again, I think we both think that green's not partying much. Cleric, you've got Turn Timber Ascetic. That's the 5-4 that gains 3 when it ETBs. Rogue, you've got Tajuru Snarecaster. That's the 1-4 with reach. I have not. There's also the 1-1 one one Death Touch. I have hated the 1-1 one one Death Touch in the main deck. I think it's a fine sideboard card but i think i'm looking to actively avoid playing that card in the main deck i feel like
1: the times where i play that card is when i've got like small creatures and two rabid bites and i'm like okay
0: i need a way to turn these rabid bites on that's fair for sure uh warrior dauntless survivor that's the one one that puts a plus one plus one counter somewhere when it etbs i think that card is really bad i agree <laughs> I wasn't I, that in your top <laughs> commons speaking of i know yeah that was in my
1: top three green commons i <laughs> it's like nothing about this card is exciting its type does matter. I never care about it as a two man, like a two man of two, two just gets outclassed so quickly. Uh, when you're in green, I just like I never like this card. Yep.
0: And wizard, I think the best of the bunch here. Drag a Visionary, three and a green, three, two and ETBs, you draw a card. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. So I think that's going to take us to looking at some draft logs. Do you have one you want to check out here?
1: Yeah, for sure. So uh, so my first one here, <laughs> when we did this, I think last week or two weeks ago, I started with the same rare here. So I don't have the rest of the pack, but I see Akiri Fearless Voyager being taken here. As the rare, that's the one red, white, three, three, whenever you attack a player with one or more equipped creatures draw a card and you pay a white, you may unattach an equipment from a creature you control if you do tap that creature and it gains indestructible until end of turn.
0: All right. I like it. Starting
1: down red, white. Okay. So moving on to pack one, pick two, following cards as options, two white cards in the pack, Smite the Monstrous at common, and then Sajiri Shelter is the MDFC, one and a white for an instant target creature you control gains protection from the color of your choice until end of turn card. I like quite a bit and a number of red cards. I want to talk about two of them here, maybe even three. Synchronized Spellcraft is a card that perhaps people are going to be interested in why We didn't mention this in any of our party discussions. This is four and a red for an instant. Deals four damage to target creature and X damage to that creature's controller where X is the number of creatures in your party.
0: Where are you at on this card? It's too expensive. Clunky. That's the biggest insult I can give a magic card these days and synchronized spellcraft is clunky.
1: Yeah, so I think I'm hoping to only run this in basically red, white party or red, black party. And even then basically just as a one of.
0: Yes. Maybe a two of in red, black, but this needs to be reliably dealing three damage before you're even like moderately happy to include it.
1: Because you are almost always trading down. Like four damage isn't enough to be dealing with like the five and six drops of the world. And so you're almost always like killing a three drop or sometimes a two drop with this. Um, and speaking of two drops that you need to kill, Grow Tag Bug Catcher is in the pack. One and a red, one, two, trample. When it attacks, gets plus one, plus plus zero until end of turn for each creature in your party. So I think it, it comes down to Bug Catcher versus Shid- Sajiri Shelter as a follow up
0: to our red, white, rare. Yeah, this is tough i i think right you know and this is this is like the crux of the format here right is these these decisions because you take saziri shelter as just a rawly powerful card and it doesn't help you do a lot if you have to move off of red white exactly if you end up red white saziri shelter is going to be great and if you end up white it'll be a playable card and it's going to make your deck better smooth your draws out etc Grotag bug catcher though gives you a lot of options right it's a warrior for your red white warriors deck if you get pushed out of white It's going to be one of the best cards in your red, blue or red, black deck. It's a I don't know. It's a warrior. It does so much. I I think I'm tempted to take Bug Catcher over Sajiri Shelter here. And I don't know. Maybe that makes me a filthy casual that I don't (laughs) want the MDFC, but I want the Bug Catcher. I think it's important to like try and give
1: your deck direction early in this format. And so that's why I like taking Bug Catcher over Shelter here. It's close, right? It's really close because the Shelter is great. Yes, it is great. It's one of the, the better MDFCs. I would probably have it as a B minus. Almost a testament to how great Bug Catcher is as well, though, I think. Right. It's not really, this isn't a knock against shelter. It's just Bug Catcher is what I want in all of my red deck. Yeah. So I grabbed the Bug Catcher here. Moving on to pack one, pick three, not a red card in sight. So that that's a, a big yikes right off the bat. The best common is Vanquish the Week, the two a black instant destroy target creature with power three or less. All three uncommons are here vine gecko one of the green for the two two first kicked spell you cast each turn costs one less to cast and whenever you cast a kicked spell put a plus plus one counter on vine gecko spoils of adventure four white blue gain three draw three instant and it costs one less to cast for each creature in your party and Malakir Rebirth an MDFC single black instant choose target creature you lose 2 life until end of turn that creature gains when this creature dies return it to the battlefield tapped under its owner's control
0: yeah this is a tough choice i think immediately ruling out vanquish the week cuz i think you're taking malakir rebirth if you're taking a black card over vanquish the week yep. Uh, so, it's one of the three uncommons. I think you can make a case for all of them depending on what you would prefer to do. So, Vine Gecko is essentially a blue, green, gold card, right? Mm-hmm. I think it can be green, black, too. Mm, yeah, yeah, okay. I'd buy that. But not essentially not getting played with your first two picks. Correct. Same four yes. spoils of adventure. So, I, personally, I think I would take Malakir Rebirth here to leave myself the out of red, black with Grotag Bugcatcher because I really like that deck and I really like Grotag Bugcatcher. But certainly, I think taking Vine Gecko or spoils here to see if those decks are open is reasonable as well
1: yeah not seeing a red card in the pack here made me think that i was pr- more likely to abandon red entirely this draft at this point and so I-, I took the vine gecko as a this is a great card obviously great in blue green and-, and fine if we end up going green black yeah i like it all right pack one pick four you see the following cards as options uh there's our glue card malakir blood priest in black the 2 1 that drains for party when it ETBs. There's also a Drawn a Silencer, which we haven't quite talked about, and I think we should. Five and a black for the 3 2 Rogue. When it ETBs, target creature gets minus
0: X minus X until end of turn, where X is the number of creatures in your party. What do you think about this card? I think it's just bad. Even in a party deck, if I'm red black party and I'm reliably going to have, you know, three types on the battlefield, it's just still too expensive. Six mana for the effect and a 3 2 body is just too irrelevant in the format there's just better ways to kill creatures and there's better creatures
1: yeah i agree i again feel like synchronized spellcraft a little bit where i'm like i will run maybe one of these in a red black party deck but i'm hoping not to and then two uncommons left in the pack relic golem three mana six six can attack or block unless your opponent has eight or more cards in their graveyard and you can pay two tap to mill two cards from a player and also ravagers mace the one black red equipment when it etbs it auto equips to something has equip cost of two black red and equipped creature gets plus one plus oh for each creature in your party and has menace
0: yeah i think so this is an interesting spot i think to talk about why i would have taken the last pick and i just want to run something by you here to see if you've experienced this at all so i think there's a card here that you didn't mention that i would also consider given you taking vine gecko last pick which is cunning geyser mage yes that's fair it's 2 and a blue for a 3-2, two, kicker 2 and a blue, and when it ETBs, if it was kicked, you return up to one other target creature to its owner's hand. So I think that's reasonable as well if you just took Vine Gecko, except there's not a lot of great green here. Mm-hmm. So if you take if you take Malakir Rebirth last pick, you're much happier taking Blood Priest or Ravager's Mace here and starting to go down Red Black Party. Yep. And I, I have found in the format when I'm doing drafts, if I have options... To go down multiple routes like right now we could be red white warriors we could be some sort of green kicker deck you know we could take a black card here and be a, a some sort of red black party deck there's a lot of cards that are good but that don't like hard shove you in a direction mm-hmm. so i found like a lot of times you have to put your own direction on the draft like you have to make some choices for what to go down that's why i like starting with cards that try to go in the same deck ultimately, because otherwise I've found you can just waffle endlessly. Yes. And, you know, be drafting two or three decks deep into pack one. And I don't think that's where you want to end up being.
1: Well, and what's nice about your pick of Malachir Rebirth last pack is that that gives you overlap, whereas my pick of Vine Gecko doesn't. Like, Right, that's what I mean. Vine Gecko and Bug Catcher are not going in the same deck. And so I'm I'm either drafting a red white deck at this point or a green X deck at this point. And so I, I agree with you there. I just felt like the gap was too big. Like Vine Gecko is so good in its deck. And if that's open, then I, I wanted to take it. But whatever, we've got that in our pile. But I agree, like that makes my pick look a little worse here when I take Blood Priest rather than taking Geyser Mage. And Geyser Mage feels bad to take here, in my opinion, just because it's it's just too low down in my rankings of blue cards. But if this is Royal
0: Mage, I think I would take that. Right. And then you'd be pretty happy because Royal Mage goes with Bug Catcher or it goes with Vine
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, and and Geyser Mage can go with Bug Catcher, but it's just, it's just a little... It's fine in Wizards.
0: Right. But I just have... I found that this, what's happening here happens to me fairly frequently in the format where there's a lot of good cards that go in a lot of different decks. And if I don't have a a clear direction, it's really hard to make a choice of what direction to go down. And it feels a little bit like you're just throwing darts at a board, you know? Right.
1: Yeah. I I think that's totally fair. Um, And now I want to talk about Relic Golem in particular. So like if this is Soaring Thought Thief, I think you just slam that, right? Yes. Is Relic Golem a pull into blue black for you?
0: I don't think so, no.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. But some relics are for you, I
0: would assume. Like if,
1: if the black white relic is here, I think you, would you take that?
0: I don't think so, no. I don't think any of the relics are pulls into the deck to me because there's, you have to be that, you have to be the only drafter. I think, in that deck for the relics to be good. That makes sense to me, yeah. I want to pick the relics up late rather than that I want to pick them early and try to draft the deck. Because if if you are the only blue-black drafter, you should get all the relic golems. That's
1: true. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. Yeah, trying to check in on those as well as 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 feeling them out i think the i think i like the cleric one a little bit more than you it sounds like but the other ones i i agree with so you ended up on malakir blood priest here yeah yeah just like i'm just happy to have that card and again i think that just shows the power of these these glue cards that yeah is is mace potentially more powerful i mean i don't even know is is cunning geyser mage no not really like this is just a, a good, rock-solid two-drop that's going to give me a lot of options down the road of the draft. Agreed. So the next pick, we actually do get the aforementioned Relic Vial. And as I thought, Red wasn't super open from the right, and we end up actually navigating into Black-White, but not really Clerics. Like It's just sort of Black-White party beats so if we take a look at the deck here we actually end up moving into black white we get double relic vial in the draft um that following pick and then in the middle of pack two get triple shepherd of heroes triple Malicure blood priest Triple Cliffhaven Sellsword and a card I like quite a bit in these decks, double kitesail cleric. This card reminds me a lot of Fairy Guide Mother, right? Like just good on turn one as a one-one flyer. And then if you top deck it in the mid to late game or whatever, it's often going to be able to push damage in the way that Fairy Guide Mother did. So I like that card quite a bit and it gets the party started here. So had had some good little party synergies, good cleric synergies. And uh this deck went six three in best of one.
0: Ooh, very nice. Yeah. All right, we'll check in on one of my drafts now. This is also an arena draft. Uh, so, pack one, pick one, we had a Royal Eruption, uh, one red sorcery, best common overall, deals three damage to any target, kicker five, and if it was kicked, deals five damage instead. Moving on to pack one, pick two, I've already got some spicy choices. Yeah. Options here into the Royal, and if we move on to the Uncommons, Lull Mage's Domination, that's the mind control effect for Blue 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 X. And your MDFC is Black Bloom Rogue, the two a black two, three with Menace, and gets plus three, plus zero as long as an opponent has eight or more cards in their graveyard.
1: Yeah, so no red cards to follow up Royal Eruption with, though. I am curious if Grotag Bug Catcher's in the pack. What do you take? I'm still taking Black Bloom Rogue. The the power level
0: gap's too high there.
1: Okay, okay. Well, just just checking in. I think you probably also take Law
0: Mage's Domination. I'm really high on that card. I agree. The fact that you can rebuy it with Tazim Royal Mage at common is just so 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 good. Yeah, but I, I agree.
1: here. I think the most raw power card is Black Bloom Rogue. Um, I have it not miles ahead of Law Mage's Domination, but. Just enough that I think that's what I'd take here.
0: Yeah. If Lull Mage's Domination were blue, blue X, I think it'd be a different story. Yeah, that's fair. Or blue, 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 like blue, blue one X. The triple blue, blue has to be open, I think, before Lull Mage's Domination is very good. Mm -hmm. All right, moving on to pack one, pick three, not great options here uh best red card in the pack is expedition champion two and a red for the two three that gets plus two plus oh as long as you've got another warrior best black card in the pack is Skyclave Shadowcat, cat three and a black for a three three you can pay one and a black sack another creature to put a plus one plus one counter on it and whenever a creature you control with a plus one plus one counter on it dies you draw a card i want you to use your most insulting word to describe sky Skyclave shadow cat clunky clunky it's so clunky yeah and White cards, there's a Core Celebrant at common, and at uncommon, there's still a Fearless Fledgling in the pack. One on a white for a 1-1, landfall whenever a land enters the battlefield, plus one, plus one counter on it, and it gains flying until EOT. Yeah, that card's
1: really good. That, that's a pull into white. I mean, there's, there's no pull into white for me at common, but this is one of the uncommons that pulls me into white.
0: Yeah, and so we're still feeling things out here. We take Fearless Fledgling, and we've got choices um, of any combination of red black and white and i think we are happy with all of those moving on to pack one pick four you see the following cards as options in white there's a tazim raptor two and a white for a two two flyer when it etbs you can return a land you control to its owner's hand there's also a kite sail cleric your your boy yeah white for the one one flyer with kicker two and a white and when it enters the battlefield it was kicked you tap two target creatures In red, there's a Fissure Wizard, uh, one in red for the 2-1 when ETBs you can rummage, and there's also a Fireblade Charger at Uncommon. This card has shot up in my pick order. Mm. This is red for a 1-1, when it's equipped it's got haste, and whenever it dies it deals damage equal to its power to any target. And there's also a Bubble Snare Chill in here if you wanted to think about moving into blue. (laughs) Just a nice four
1: colors and four picks type of draft. Yeah. It's the old Ethan Sack special. Yeah, I think my pick is going to surprise you here. I would take Kitesil Cleric out of this pack. Interesting. Can you talk to me about that? So I think there's a little bit more weight to, you know, as the draft progresses, the cards you're seeing having more weight in terms of what's open. So having Fearless Fledgling as our third pick makes me feel like of the three colors we are, white is more likely to be open. And Fearless Fledgling really wants to go in an aggressive white deck. And I think Kitesil Cleric shines in aggressive white decks for the exact reasons I mentioned. Um, it'll be good if we end up in white black and our clerics, or if we end up in white red or white black and are doing party stuff. I just think it does a lot for a one mana threat.
0: So here's my reasoning. I took Fissure Wizard because I think I don't want to be white unless it's abundantly obvious that white's open. And I don't think Kitecell Cleric is enough to make me want to move into white. Like I would prefer to draft red black if I have the choice, and I know Fisher Wizard's going to be a great card.
1: Yeah, I, I just I think that for for me, I think that Delta's too large in terms of where I have them in my tier list but that, that's fair yeah and
0: then bubble snare is just the best card in the pack right yes i agree and i think in most formats i would take bubble snare here but for some reason in this format like having four cards in four colors just feels way worse to me in this set than it normally does well and also it just like going back
1: to the things we're talking about in terms of giving yourself a direction or trying to carve out a lane bubble snare doesn't do that for you right you, with my pick of kaito cleric i'm already thinking about the the color that i am in where that color is going to shine best and what type of flavor of that color I'm going to be, right? I think I want to be a white aggressive deck, which is hard to do, but I think Cleric and Fledgling are two of the best cards to do it. You're already thinking about well I want to be red black party Fisher Wizard's going to be good there. I could even go into red white whatever like taking bubble snare there what are you doing? You don't you don't have a direction.
0: Right. Okay, moving on to pack 1 pick 5. See the following cards as options. Uh in red there's a grow tag bug catcher, in white there's a core celebrant and that's about it. You got some junkers in black and blue.
1: Yeah, I mean, this makes your Fisher Wizard pick look great here. You know, and and if you're me, you take Core Celebrant, I
0: think. If you go white card, white card. But you've got red card, red card, and bug is just great. Yeah. So snapped up bug catcher there. Pack one, pick six. You see the following cards as options. In white, there's another core celebrant. In black, there's a shadow stinger. That's two and a black for the uncommon one four. Uh, tap another rogue you control to give it death touch until end of turn and whenever it deals combat damage to a player that player mills three cards Uh, there's also as your first blue card potentially still an end of the royal in the pack pick six one and a blue for the instant kicker one and a blue if it was kicked you draw a card when you bounce a non-land permanent
1: yeah that just seems too late for that card especially having just seen a we saw bubble snare fourth like that that could be a signal that blues open you don't really feel like you're missing out on much by not taking celebrant here i think
0: right that's where i was at took took into the royal here with the intention to maybe move into blue red wizards Mm -hmm. Um, next pack didn't present much skydancer uh was what i took the two and a black two one flash flyer to maybe still keep the red black party dream alive and then pack one pick eight picked up a tazim royal mage so that's one and a blue for the two one with kicker four when ETBs was kicked you get an instant or sorcery back and so right now we've got out to do a lot of different things. Like if you if you look at the cards that are in my pool, we've got Fearless Fledgling as blue cards, we've got a late into the Royal and a Late Tazim Royal Mage, as well as Fissure Wizard, Bug Catcher, Royal Eruption as Red Cards. And we've got Black Bloom Rogue and the Mana Sky Dancer as black cards. So we could be Red Black Party. We could be Red Blue Wizards. We could be Red Blue Party because we've got the Bug Catcher, which is one of the key cards for doing party, uh, you know, outside of Red Black. You know, if you want to do Red Blue Party, Grotag Bug Catcher, you want multiple copies of. We also, there's a world too. Black hasn't felt super open, but there's a world where you could do Blue Black Party or even Blue Black Rogues with this Tazim Royal Mage here.
1: Right. And one of the things that I've noticed in my draft, and you've got a really nice setup for taking advantage of it, is sometimes no payoffs are open in pack one for a specific color pair, right? And so let's say there are no soaring thought thieves open at your table. Basically, then probably no one else has navigated their way into blue black. And then you get to reap the rewards of now people are settling into other color pairs. And all those thought thieves that get opened in pack two or three are going to make their way around the table. And you get to, you know, if, if an early one of those makes their way to you in pack two, that would probably push me into that deck and that deck is probably going to be open if that scenario is
0: is what i'm describing right and then on the wheel here we get the goods so pack one pick nine there's a stonework pack beast which is probably about the single best card and this is way too late for this card in my opinion i think it should go more in the four through five through eight range probably four is a little high somewhere in the five through eight range but this is a hundred percent going to make my deck and it's going to give me playables for any of those three to four routes That I want to go down. Right. So to sort of reveal where this deck went. We have all these different options at the end of pack one, and I think we are pretty much 100% to be red just because that's where we're the deepest. Uh, Pack two, pick one, we take a spike field hazard as an MDFC over Lull Mage's Domination because I'm not quite ready to commit to the triple blue card, Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm trying to feel out whether I want to be red, black, or red, blue. And then pack two, pick two, we pick up a Thundering Spark Mage, which is the 2-2 that ETBs and deals damage equal to the number of creatures in your party. And so that, I think, tips me towards wanting to be a party deck and ultimately end up settling on red-blue party rather than red-black party. There's a really interesting pick. I'm just sort of like clicking through this draft.
1: Uh, pack 2 pick 9. You have the choice between Sneaking Guide and Pyroclastic Hellion. So Sneaking Guide is the 1-mana one 1-1 one, one rogue in red that you can pay 2 tap, target creature with power 2 or less, can't be blocked. And Hellion is the 5-mana 4-5 that lets you pick up a land. Great with MDFCs, which you only have 1 of at the moment. But I think even if you had four of them I still think you would take sneaking guide in the spot and those shifts in pick orders as you are recognizing what your deck is trying to do i think are super interesting
0: yeah and i think cards do shift a lot depending on whether you're true tribal or whether you're party and again knowing knowing which types are hard to pick up and in red blue you know your your premium rogues are going to be sneaking guide zula duelist and seafloor stalker and sneaking guide i think along with seafloor stalker the two you're really hoping for especially if you've got uh, the grow tag bug catchers for sure
1: yeah really interesting draft there
0: so what are some takeaways from the episode for you
1: uh, I just think it's super important to keep checking in with your draft in this format. I mean, it's important in, in all formats, but because of the amount of different directions you can go in, I, I think the the biggest things that I see people getting tripped up with is trying to to package too many things into one deck. And I think it's much more important to be a little bit more streamlined, even to the extent of, do I want to focus more on tribal or party, even when you're in one of those tribal color pairs? And so then figuring out how your pick order shifts, etc. I just think there's a lot of moving pieces in these drafts. And there's a lot to keep track of, especially with the MDFCs. And so all of that, I think, is important to just check in on pick after pick.
0: Right. And I think if you're partying, and especially if you're backdooring into party for for me this is true i'm curious to see where you're at i think red is the color that is the best at backdooring into party
1: yes well i think and and as we saw because specifically of Bugcatcher and electromancer being such good party payoffs but also just like you're playing them in their respective tribes you're also playing them as
0: off party splashes in tribal decks so they just go everywhere well and the thing i think that's especially true is even in addition to being the right tribes they're at the right spot on your curve I think in some of the other times when you're trying to backdoor into party, you end up playing like Junker four drops that are your you know third party type or whatever. And then sometimes it comes down too late. It's too low impact of a card or whatever. Mm-hmm. All of Red's Party Matters cards are premium cards at common and are at great spots on the curve. Yeah, I agree. So hopefully that helps you navigate your next draft when you sit down and you start Wizards get pushed out. You know, you've got some off ramps to go down. For sure. Great place to wrap us up. Thank you as always to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thank you so much to
1: ChannelFireball.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you're heading over to Channel Fireball for any and all purchases, please use the code LOL, all caps at checkout to let them know we sent you there. Uh, You can check us out on Twitch and Twitter, twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware for me, twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome for Ben, Mr. spelled out. Uh, You can also tweet at us on those same usernames You can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. You can also check out our website where we've got a tier list there, lordsoflimited.com.
0: If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks everybody. See you later. Yeah, that is still running as well. So you box you buy. Or, yeah, that is still running as well. We box wait, you box, we buy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. I was doing so good. You were doing so good. And then
0: you forgot who boxed and who bought. <laughs> oh, now I'm sweating. <laughs> That's
1: good. We haven't had an outtake in a few weeks, so <laughs> this is a good one. <laughs>